Hey guys, welcome to the Join Me for Coffee podcast, where every week I bring you daily life conversations and recommendations, including freebies, tips, tricks, and apps. So let's have a chat. I'll imagine we're actually having a cup of coffee and a nice real-world, real-life conversation. My name is Mauricio, and I'm your host. I've lived and worked in four different countries, have traveled the world, and have a lot of valuable insights to share with all of you. Hopefully, what you'll learn in this podcast will help you achieve your dreams or goals, or even just encourage you to reflect or have a laugh. Hey guys, so up next we have our interview with Joe Dudas from the Mayo Clinic. Now, when we did this interview, it was nighttime for Joe in the US and it was daytime for me here in Australia. But Joe was kind enough to meet with us for this informal interview right after his run. So I thank Joe for the opportunity of having this interview with him and learning from his experience with Agile. Now let's get to it. It's kind of funny. So I've been out of um, out of IT now for about 15 years. Okay. Somewhere around there. Um, and uh, have been at Mayo for about that same amount of time. As a matter of fact, I left um, IT and then I went to supply chain and healthcare and then about three years, I took a, about after 10 years of supply chain, then I went and I ran our enterprise analytics group okay. at Mayo. And then I came back to supply chain again, um, just recently. So I'm in charge of our strategy and innovation as far as um, supply chain is concerned. Wow, that's really um, interesting. And can you, can you, I guess for everyone who's, um, you know, watching this or listening, can you tell them a little bit about, I guess, the Mayo Clinic, you know, where it's at, you know, what you guys do? So, so Mayo Clinic is um, a top hospital in the United States. Um, we see over a million unique patients every year. Wow, that's uh, we, we, we specialize in the top of the pyramid, the most difficult and complex diseases. Um, we, we treat all, we, we have uh, competency in all service lines, all specialties. Um, but our real specialty is the very, very difficult um, cases. Um, we also are one of the largest research institutions, healthcare research institutions in the United States. Um, and we are also a fully accredited um, school of medicine. Um, and uh, we see patients from, I think last count, 135 um, plus countries all over the world. So we're a destination for patients all over the world. Um, we recently uh, uh, have engaged in a joint uh, uh, joint development project or a joint venture in uh, the Middle East. So mm -hmm. we now are helping bring up a location there. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's exciting. That sounds great. A little bit about supply chain. Um, so there's not a whole lot you can do in healthcare. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot a doctor can do without supplies. Of course. Um, you know, it starts with a diagnosis um, that requires um, either supplies or equipment or both and uh, uh, concludes with a treatment. And usually there's some sort of, you know, supply device medicine included in that. So um, a large portion of healthcare is actually the supply chain. Uh, even though you usually don't think about supply chain when you think about healthcare. Mm, mm. 
That's right. But I, yeah, totally. I think it makes sense to me, I guess. Like, obviously, I, I, I would imagine also that, um, I guess, inventory levels and, um, you know, uh, I guess speed to delivery is very critical in what you guys do in the sense that if there's a supply that you need in a particular point in time and it's not there, it can be, you know, it can compromise the treatment. Absolutely. Um, or even think about it in today's environment with COVID, you know, having the appropriate um, uh, protective equipment, you know, to protect both the patient and the caregiver in doing their job. Mm. Uh, masks, gowns, um, face shields, you name it, gloves, of you course. know, all that stuff is critical to keeping both the patient and the provider safe. So yeah, definitely keen to hear a bit about your experience and what you guys are doing there with, with Agile and um, I guess what you found valuable from Agile in, into the work that you guys are doing. Well, so I, I've got experience that goes back to, geez, um, probably back at least six or seven years ago um, when we started building our first data marts. Um, in our data warehouse for our analytics within our supply chain, it wasn't going real well, um, to be honest with you. And we were using traditional waterfall method and we switched over to agile. And once we did, we started to quickly um, accelerate and deliver um, at a much faster rate than what we were um, doing in a waterfall methodology. So had some experience. And then when I moved over to our enterprise analytics group, all of our um, projects were agile and we struggled a bit because we had a PMO and then we had um, folks that were doing scrum. And, and so we had PMI certified project managers on kind of one side trying to manage our program uh, as many as 20, 30 projects at a time. And on and keeping the portfolio and, and making sure we were meeting our commitments and making sure the budgets were were followed and, and met. And then we had scrum masters who were wanting to do things in an agile manner uh, very rapidly uh, with less de definition and less um, infrastructure. And and so that was kind of my experience um, in needing a little bit of both. Um, but if I had to do it, when I came over to supply chain, back into supply chain, I was asked to put a PMO together mm -hmm. and decided not to do that. Um, I put a, a, or we put a portfolio management process in place, but what we decided to do with project management was to create citizen project managers instead of having a central group, have all the functions be able to do their own project management. And so we actually created what we called a virtual PMO with basically a PMI light methodology. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, it was, it was somewhat successful, um, but it was interesting because it really didn't take off the way we thought it would. Mm. And when we really looked at it, what we found is, is that on one side, we were telling people to work differently, be more agile, um, and to use the latest latest technologies, yet we were giving them spreadsheets, charters, waterfall methodology, and tools, yet telling them you know they needed to behave a little differently. So we started to relook at how we can marry up our strategic planning framework 
with Agile being our primary management initiative management execution mm-hmm. methodology as opposed to uh, PMI. And there's still bits and pieces of both and you steal from both. Um, one of the cool things about Agile is it is Agile, so you can adapt uh, to whatever your needs are. Um, but right now it's so different that right now we're starting, we've got three, four projects, three are IT projects and one is a non-IT project. Um, and we're starting to use the methodology Scrum. Um, but it's it's different, right? Because it's there's some things that are different and uh, particularly about those that are involved in projects. So, so for example, some of the things that are different is is in traditional methodology, you do a whole lot of planning. As a matter of fact, you have a planning phase. Of course. To kind of plan out the entire project. That's right. Thinking <laughs> that you can figure it all out, right? Up front. Even though we know we've never had it all figured out, but we kind of pretend we do. Yes. And then you don't do a whole lot of planning moving forward. You kind of stick to the plan. And we have a tendency to, when things don't go so well on a project, we, we tend to f- be firm on scope, but to be flexible on budget and timeline. Mm-hmm. Whereas, whereas in, once again, in Agile, it's just the opposite. That's right. Where we're being flexible on scope and priority and asking people to iterate and get the highest priority cri- requirements done first. And we're holding tight on budget and resource and time. That's right. That's right. And so, but that's hard for people to get their head around that you're continuously planning, that you won't have a detailed plan for the entire project, and that you're gonna and that you're going to unconstrained scope, but constrain time and effort. That's it's really hard for people to get their head around. So we're really trying to get a couple projects launched, and then what we're going to do is our plan is to go back and relaunch kind of our virtual PMO, we're going to call it something different. We're not sure what we're going to call it yet. Um, we've thought about Agile Management Office, but, um, but I'm not real sure what it's going to be. But it, too, will be virtual and we'll have citizen scrum masters uh, as opposed to citizen PMs. Mm-hmm. So all the functions will have the capabilities as opposed to having one central team that manages all the programs or projects. Yeah, I think you you touched on several really good, um, I guess, insights of what your experience, which is also what I've observed in practice in terms of, you know, people making the switch from waterfall to agile. It definitely takes some time for people to make the, I guess, mental shift um, and the cultural shift. And a lot of this also goes back to culture, right? And culture is one of those things that is so hard to build and so easy to destroy. Um, and... I think it's also very hard for some people when you're trying to build culture, but there is not also a top-down, um, I guess, support or endorsement of that approach. So I definitely think that in organizations or in businesses where you're trying to implement an agile approach, but the, I guess, top-level management are not convinced that it's actually the way to go, that there's a value in that approach, it is very hard for you to change and shift the culture. Right, because well, if you don't have that support from from management, then people will just they won't give it priority. They won't pay attention to it, 
Not that it can't be done. I've seen it. I've seen it done at a, at a team level, even without management support. But it's a lot harder to do that. So uh, it, it, a lot of this also starts when when you're talking about culture. From my perspective, it also starts with um, education, right? Because education is is what allows people to, I guess, take that first step in understanding what is the difference. Like you were saying, what is the difference between the different approaches, and what's the value between them? And I think also, like you rightfully pointed out that there's also, I guess, scenarios when it makes sense to have a hybrid approach. Now, if you talk to some some agilists, you know, and I have some, you know, global thought leaders on, on this space that are colleagues of mine who hate the concept of creating hybrid projects and they would li- literally uh, feel offended that you would even consider something like that in an, in an agile um, approach. But like you, again, mentioned before, it's also... Agile, it is a big part of Agile is being flexible and adaptation. And what you find in practice is that, and obviously this is not you know related to Agile per se, this is something that you would find pretty much in any methodology is that practice also varies from theory. Like practice also a lot of times when you look at the particular context of a business or the team or how they're interacting, etc., it's not exactly how it's described in the book. <laughs> so to give you an example, um, uh, if you went pure, pure agile, if you went pure, 100% pure agile, theoretically, you should be working only on one project at a time, right? Now, I would love to be working on one project at a time because it's obviously easier, it's less workload, it's less complexity, and you can focus a lot more. But the reality is of businesses is people are rarely going to pay you to work on a single project at a time. Unless that project is massive and you have a, a, a very big responsibility in the project, most of the times when you're working, you're going to be working on two, three, um, and sometimes even more uh, projects. Well, so, sorry. Well, it's, well, it's in, so what's interesting is even our strategic planning project is agile. So we tend to shy away from those big monster projects mm. and instead do a bunch of little projects. So... For example, in our portfolio right now, we're tracking over 60 initiatives. About 30, about 30 to 40 are usually active at one time. And that's for an organization of about 600 people. And about 400 of those people are purely operational. So we always have a lot of initiatives going on. They all tie to our strategic plan, but we tend to stay away from those really large projects instead break them down into small projects Mm. and then use agile to get them done if you want to hear the rest of this interview simply head to joinmeforcoffee.com.au and subscribe to access premium content all right guys that's it for today i'll see you on the next one and remember Please share, like, leave a review or support the Join Me For Coffee podcast. Cheers.